0: The <sighs> <laughs> hey, what's going on? How's it going? Oh, it's going well. Uh, it was a good day. This is my second Zoom call of the day. I lose track, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I recorded a um, thing on pediatric cannabis medicine for the brief HempFest online event this weekend. Excellent. Yeah, that was fun. Half an hour, just uh, Colton, this young patient um, who I had met last year at HempFest. Yeah, I met Colton too. Yeah, so he uh, yeah. his mom, Kat, Jeter couldn't make it, so it was just the three of us. It's a good chat. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm so used to Zoom now that it's sort of like my other living room.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Um, so I thought what we would talk about tonight would be awesome if we talked about why we ever started this in the first place and, um, where we're at now. So a brief update in the end. So would you like to go? Why did we ever start podcasting, Jerry?
0: (laughs) So I was, I haven't looked at the playlist on SoundCloud. My recollection is that I started and you joined me pretty quickly and there There are like 50 odd episodes. You've got to be in like 35 or 40 of those. Yeah. And then when um, you left town, it was boring doing it by myself and it kind of petered out. So. um,
1: Okay, Uh, we need to back up though because like 2016, why were we even working together in the first place? We came together under interesting circumstances and that had to do with Coleman so oh so refresh my memory <clears throat> so uh well at the t- in 2016 uh before we started just as we started working together in the summer I believe it was May was when Coleman okay. died was it yeah. May yes yeah. and that was also I you know at that time our relationship was you were one of my medicine makers and I knew you in the community as Uh, that special kind of person (laughs) and then uh I just reached out to you and said I was thinking about you and this sort of just culminated into like you know what I would love let's work together and continue what you and Coleman were doing so we we did some we made hash together we did some traveling we did some expos we did some and we started podcasting as part of like
0: did we podcast first or had I been doing it before
1: I think you'd, you'd started doing it a little bit, and then we started, yeah.
0: yeah I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. Um, so for those who are, this is the course of course being recorded, for those who are joining us, uh, this is podcast 2.0, because there's been an interval of like a year and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah, at least. And um, there are people who have been urging me in no uncertain terms that I need to podcast. And um, Shane Collins, my hemp growing buddy, has been pushing pretty persistently for a while. And he said the right thing at the right time. Last Thursday, we had a little tete-a-tete Thursday evening. And um, I think I reached out to you the next day or the day after. So here we are, once again, podcast 2.0. But there are some differences. A, I know that I've aged, you look the same, but we don't live (laughs) in the same town, though we're in the same time zone and we're both in Cascadia. You're the other side of the border, you went home.
1: I did, I moved to Canada uh, at the beginning of this year, sort of, and um, I'm really happy with that choice. (laughs) 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 It's been good. So far, 2020 life is a lot better in Canada, I gotta say. So,
0: and yeah. the background is that you were born in Canada, came down to the dark side on this side of the border, and then I was there. And I think we did a podcast when you switched teams or became uh, a dual citizen of two thirds of NAFTA.
1: Yep, and you were there the day that I took my oath. Oh yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it's been a journey. I was down in the States for 14 years, and that's where I started my medical patient uh, cannabis journey. And that's also how I met you. So it, that journey continues up here because I just became a patient up here, like an authorized patient. And I have to say that the Canadian system, while it definitely has some flaws, it is much more compassionate than anything I've ever experienced
0: in Washington State. And I ch- of compassion in the medical patient world in the evergreen state. It got gutted when 502 passed, and patients, first of all, for those of you who are not familiar with Washington state law, while we in Colorado legalized recreational cannabis in what 2012, the <laughs> problem is, of all the states that have legalized, Washington is the only state that does not allow, home grow by people over 21 you have to go to the state store pay the highest excise tax in the country i do believe and put up with liquor cannabis board and all of the ripple effects of their rules and regs and enforcement and um i love living in seattle have no intention of moving but the legal cannabis scene here is pretty restrictive and not very creative
1: well, and that system also, like, there's the fact that they just sort of pushed patients into that system without really providing the proper products that patients were used to getting, um, or the strengths that they used to getting, and then being taxed on top of that is just kind of atrocious. I still know, I've heard of a lot of, or no, maybe two markets that are still happening in Washington state though. So there's still like this other like patient community that's going on. And it's pretty, seems like it's pretty strong still.
0: Yeah. You have to know someone who knows someone. Um, There are self-organized patient groups. They aren't collectives or co-ops like they used to be or should be. But patients have banded together for mutual interests and to support and love each other. And that's where the compassion comes in, not from Olympia, not from the state of Washington.
1: Yeah, no. And even just like think about the idea that they took away restrictions on pesticide testing. Mm, You don't really need to test. And so now we as consumers have to go and do our due diligence just to make sure our medicine is clean because we're forced to purchase out of this system. So... It's not good. <laughs> so
0: what's it like being a patient in British Columbia?
1: Um, it's, so I order my weed online. Um, I can order from, I can sign up with different LPs. So I signed up with three different LPs. And I was, um, my medical person authorized me for 10 grams a day. But I think, I mean, that sounds like a lot, and I think it is a lot because I also explained to her that I consume it raw and that I, you know, I do a lot of different methods, which will add up like topicals and all of that. Right. So, um, so yeah, that's how it works out. I'm without having any extra special licenses, anybody over age 19, I believe, or maybe it's 20, uh, can grow four plants. All adults can grow four plants here. Um, oh. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it is really awesome. <laughs> is still, like, I think a few restrictions. So being a patient helps you have, like, more protections, which is good. I also um, can have my insurance cover My particular, like, extra insurance can cover the, 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 my medicine. And here's also a nice one. <laughs> I mean, really, it's so progressive. It is. Um, I can write it off. I can write off my medicine expenses on my taxes at the end of the year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How civilized.
1: It is very civilized. Well, they're all about the taxes up here. so
0: <laughs>
1: True. So, you know, so there's that. But it's, I, I, although being very expensive and the variety is limited and they're just, they're just rolling out their concentrate products and their edibles and their topicals this year, so the, the market feels really like a baby market. It's brand new. Everything is new. There's a whole bunch of like MCT oils mixed with distillates. And <laughs> so it's gross. So needless to say, I'm still making my own medicine, which I'm very proud to say I can make my own medicine. So that's cool.
0: <laughs> so um, if I'm a recreational customer in Vancouver or anywhere else in british columbia when i walk into a store with my id what are my choices i mean is it going to look familiar for someone who shops at dockside here in seattle or
1: well there's a couple different things um you can't see the weed at all they make sure that you can't even see in the jar at all that you're buying it has to be completely out. Um, <laughs> what's the deal oh got to protect the kids i don't know or like Maybe they're trying to actually protect the weed from light, but that's unlikely.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no CBN. So that's that's worse than. So Washington State. Oh. Those of you who don't live and shop here, you can't smell it. Oregon, they stick the chopsticks and stick it under your nose, um, so you can't even look at it. Can't see it
1: now. In some places, you can. They can set up like little bud bars where you can have smell jars. Um, but during COVID, uh, that's not a thing and um so there's a selection of some flowers there's a little bit of organically grown um really nice stuff there's also like stuff you'll open up and you're like who trimmed this like (laughs) like how long ago was this grown I have no idea so it's been interesting and you just get to like learn the different brands and which ones are good and which ones aren't so so that's kind of interesting. The pre-rolls are still crappy here, like they're crappy down there, um, unless you love pre-rolls, but I think they're just the garbage of the, <laughs>
0: what's coming <laughs> out. better because people's expectations have risen, but this, you are I, I totally trust what you're saying. But for those of us who've been in the Northwest for a while, BC Bud was all the rage. And to hear that now that it's legal in BC, that the bud sucks is kind of a, uh, you know.
1: Well, the copy. no, 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 the bud doesn't suck. The system sucks because ah. after they package it and they have to now register it and get it into the uh, BC Liquor Cannabis Board or System. I'm saying all the words wrong, um, but that can take two months. So between packaging and getting it into that store where you can order it, it just takes really long time. So it's like being able to have your product come to the consumer beautifully, like with terpenes is, um, kind of a challenge for a lot of them. So, but some of them are getting it done. Um, and it's getting better. And I'm seeing like prices have come down since I moved here and quality is going up and the different um, stuff, different stuff is coming out and actually hash is coming out, which is very exciting. Um, but the first, this is going to blow your mind. And I think I might've already told you this before, but like the first hash that came out here was um, from Whistler Technologies, I believe. And it was like this beautiful blonde live resin um, press. It was beautiful and smelled good, like $180 a gram.
0: I'm going to start smuggling, I swear, across the border. Um, Wow. But, of course, those are loonies, and they're not the same as as, dead presidents. But, yeah. So, in general, uh, if I were to walk into a Canadian rec store, would I be shocked at the prices for flour?
1: Mm, Yeah. Maybe a little not really yeah. like it's you can get an eighth here for $23 you can also get an eighth here for $50 so yeah, yeah and above like it depends also like I'm kind of in the Vancouver area and um in the Vancouver downtown the prices are way more than they are a little bit outside of the city so and in right now there's only about maybe 20 to 30 shops open in Vancouver whereas because they've shut down all, as like pretty much every of the traditional market stores that were open. Right. So right. it's been a process, but everything is slowly coming on board and online. Like this is brand new. The retail shops are kind of brand new, as far as licensed, right? So and ordering, <laughs> like, Vancouver is notorious for having like a lot of access points for right. patients and people in general, which has been amazing. So. So to see it actually come through to the legal market and it's going to get better. Like you remember how Washington was when it first came out, it was horrible. It It was like $25 for a gram of blue dream garbage. Like it was. (laughs) So it's gotten so much better. And like even just like when I think about the weed down in Washington, I get all dreamy about it because I know there's really good weed down there. And even like when I was bashing pearls two minutes ago, I know that there's really amazing pre rolls down there as well. You just have to like really know where they are.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so throwback question: Are you juicing cannabis this summer?
1: Uh yeah, I am. I'm I'm juicing it. I've and because uh, I'm growing it. I've got my four plants yep. and. I'm trying to, I'm working on getting my cannabis grow, like, through my patient license, so I'll be able to grow a little bit more, sure. but currently, like, I'm able to, I'm growing enough that I can put it in smoothies. I'm not juicing, um, right, right. yeah, but I'm blending, so. Yeah. yeah,
0: well, come harvest time, I'll think of you and, um, bring out ice cube trays to the field.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, then we're growing, um, Well, I have two farms I'm directly involved with, about an acre and a half in one and uh, an acre in another. Um, A lot of fiber um, cultivars, but just incredible medicine. Um, I kind of blew it out going into the seed bank, which I've been amassing hemp seeds for the last three or four years. And just saying, you know, germination rate's going down. I may not be here next year. And what the hell, I can't wait to taste this. So this should be, because um, it really is um, what I consider medicinal stuff to make tinctures, topicals, and other, but it also strongly overlaps that smokable market because there are terpenes, there isn't THC, and you hardly miss the THC because the other cannabinoids and terpenes give you that full effect. It's not ditchweed. Um, that hemp for victory growing in the side of the road in some rural area in the Midwest, this is like the modern hemp hybrids just rock. But,
1: uh, I want to know like, what kind of cannabinoids and terpenes are you, do you think you're going to find
0: in there? Oh, so we'll have to do a podcast. We'll, we'll go through the, the um, I've been using the same lab in local 360 for almost eight years now and I was pleasantly surprised <clears throat> there was one thing that came back uh, a little hot if you count all of the THC THCA, 8, 9, 11, et cetera, et cetera. The terpenes were like one and a half to 2.1%. And not just humulin and myrcene, but across five terps, uh, and they all taste different. Um, People are, they think I'm punking them. Oh, you gave me pot. No, really, it's it's hemp. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Um, So some people shop for seeds, biomass, what have you, Based on high CBD numbers, because the market is driven by CBD extraction at this point. I take a different approach in that I really, 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 as you know, um, sit at the feet of Dr. Ethan Russo, hang on to every word, take notes, and ask questions. And so I really believe that the entourage effect is the most powerful part of cannabis medicine in terms of understanding how it works and, and why it works for so many people. But they aren't all created equal. The TERPs, So the way I describe it is the cannabinoids like CBD, THC, et cetera, et cetera, do the heavy lifting. But the terpenes color the experience. Um, And you can have three cultivars that are all 10% CBD or 10% THC or whatever. But because of the terpenes, flavonoids, and other compounds, they'll taste different, they'll smell different, and you'll definitely have a different response to that cultivar um versus the other things that are available. So yeah, it's um it's been fun. We grew about seven or eight cultivars last year. Um this year I haven't taken a final count. They're probably close to 25 or maybe even 30 of them. Um, so I'm really, really, really uh we're here. So this weekend is uh, Hempfest weekend, um 30 weekend in August, which here in the northwest at this latitude, 46 north, is when the girls um, start to exhibit um, fluorescence, the boys are already popping out. You're gonna yank those. um, And the the rule of thumb is, if you haven't cloned your girls by Hempfest, it's probably too late because they're busy making flowers. So third weekend in August is this weekend. Hempfest is gonna be a brief thing online and then a larger online thing in October. Um, But yeah, we're seeing early males, especially in two cultivars, um, and we're yanking those as fast as we can. But um, someone asked me about buying part of my harvest to make their medicine, and she was pressing me on yield and price. And I'm like, you know, I can send you what we grew last year and share the lab results. We aren't growing the same thing in the same place, but it'll introduce you to the type of things LeBlanc does. This year, I have no idea. I know it's going to be way more than I had last year. Tons of cultivars, I hope, that are all different. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, give me a month and I'll have a better guesstimate of what's going to come out come October. That's exciting. Yeah.
1: Are they all named?
0: Yes. So, um, the map is in my head. Um, There are like probably four or five cherry wines that are all clustered together. You know, those irrigation lines, the different cultivars are put in like a quilt pattern so that all of the things with the same terpenes are next to each other. Um, for instance, there's a, a friend of mine, uh, Taylor Yates out in uh, uh, Montreal Calif- uh, Colorado. Um, at one point, a couple of years ago, I bought his whole catalog. They're all planted together because they're very related and they're just wild. We drew his, grew his cherry wine number four last year, one of his favorites. Um, But yeah, we've got um, um, a number of things, um, pretty different stuff on one end of the field and then the back is uh, fiber. Uh, Been working with papermakers, hopefully with textile makers this year. Uh, One partner wants to do hempcrete with the herd, I want the bass for for other things. Yeah, but if the medicine thing, whoa, it's off the hook. Next time we're together, we'll have to like sample things that get you well, but don't get you high.
1: And then I also was thinking um, about (laughs) the things that get you high today. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about uh, the LeBlanc um, coins. They're so dreamy.
0: (laughs) That feels, oh, Yeah. yeah. Hold on you're talking about. So I make old school Moroccan pressed key hashish and they're pressed in the, in a mold. And if you see one, I don't know if you can see on the screen, they have the LB for LeBlanc. And uh, I've been doing this for pretty much the whole eight years. I've been doing uh, cannabis in Washington state. Um, it's a trademark, and the, the short answer is, or the reason is, I'm 66, got out of high school in 72. Um, I want to re-smoke my youth. I want to relive those glory days. Uh, I'm like a old-school deadhead, and uh, hash was back, back in the day was like, whoa, sure as hell bit, beat um, bricks of Mexican reefer coming up wrapped across the border, you know? Jeez. Um, but hash and tie stick and Jamaican, those were treats. So one of the things I love to do is to collect film canisters from fellow boomers and try and pop those beans. And the one that turned my head around, shout out to Jim, my kids and I and a friend, the other Pam, Pamela Hale, did the uh, project CBD booth. Oh, Sanjay Gupta's Charlotte's web weekend at Hempfest, And I had a list of cultivars and, um, uh, that were available for patients. So I'm sitting down, I wanna say it's the last day, I'm dog tired, this gentleman sits in the chair next to me and I'm telling him that I'm looking for film canisters to find land races from back in the day. And Jim turns to me and says, we did two seeds, both girls, would you like to get high like we did in high school? And I look at him like, what the, he pulls this full pipe out of his pocket, <clears throat> take a couple of hits, 1,001, 1,002, Dude, I'm in 11th grade again. <laughs> so <clears throat> this is August. Sam Fest. Springtime, I get this email. Were you the guy that I met? I'm passing through town. He came with the traumatography report, a nug, and a clone. And I had it sequenced at Phylos Bioscience. He is, or it is what he said, Colombian gold, 1972 Pheno. I took that home to Ohio to my homegirls and homeboys. They opened the bag and were like, "Ah, where'd you get this? Then they would smoke it. And it was like, it was 16.7% THC. Not overwhelming, but the experience was Mm -hmm. colored by the terpenes. And in modern hybrids, they're different, you know? So anyway, I uh, will have to do a, a podcast about film canisters because strangers and friends, and I just got one. Five six weeks ago, uh, unannounced, I get this envelope in the mail. Hi, I was cleaning the house. Well, I actually, found out she was moving, and when she moved, she cleaned the house and found a film canister. Yes, folks, thirty-five millimeter plastic film canister, um, and I have several of those. So that'll be a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so you're growing hemp, does this, can we talk about the um, black elephant in the room? (laughs) That you are the, uh, are you Seattle's favorite black hemp farmer?
0: That's that's the word, yeah, and actually um, it's funny because before Black Lives Matter, if you'd asked me, I would have said, I'm a hemp farmer who happens to be black. I have been approached by no less than three resellers and, and, and producers who insist on buying their hemp from a black farmer. They don't want me to broker stuff that other people grew. They're like, no, 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 we wanna buy from you because when we Google it, there are precious few African-Americans growing hemp. And um, so part of the lockdown is, and it's really causing me to change the way I do business. So I've always described myself as like Johnny Appleseed, that I have got the beans and, you know, and I know all these breeders and seeders and people trust me to do the right thing. And so a lot of the genetics are gifted to me because they know that they'll be taken care of, that I'll share them and do the right thing. And I'm not out to rip anybody off, especially the breeders and seeders. Now that there are no trade shows and I don't see members of the Canna family locally or around the country um it's things aren't frozen but it's harder to do that speaking of past deals of hashish i go to things like Canicon, indo expo no code these other trade shows um with medicine <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, with like your topical oil because uh, that's what i do but also with past deals. Because a lot of the breeders and seeders are old school and they haven't seen this stuff for years and now they know oh so um so now I need to I'm already acquiring hemp genetics to plant 2021 but I have to go and find it and be very deliberate and the thing is um if I don't how do I say this I have to know where it is in order to buy it. But when you go to these gatherings of the community within the industry, there's this shuffling effect and you meet old friends and make new ones. And Hey, look what I have. So I'm trying to figure out how to grow the seed bank. And um, part of it may be that, excuse me, um, I probably need to start doing some semi-serious breeding. Cause there's some ideas I have and some, things I'd like to work with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, that's
1: what you're already doing with that more serious than what you're already doing.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing I, to the last three years speaking of Coleman, his hip hop stage name was sizzle the engine. And there is a feral Chinese hemp um, that I got three, four years ago. And I've grown from that handful of seeds. And I mean, not even a big handful seed crops in my backyard to where i now have a given volume last year i had sizzle the engine digital or excuse me genetically sequenced at phyllos bioscience the results came back never before seen no close relatives which means in terms of breeding um, it won't be the wife or sherry wine or it won't be auto or or box from Ben Holmes at Centennial Seeds, it would be a whole new line coming from something that no one else has used as a starting point. Now here's where it gets interesting. I've always thought, this plant is like huge, it grows like, it comes out with seven leaves, it's over your head in a three gallon pot. Here's the deal. I've always thought the plant stank, and it tasted horrible. So last year, in addition to Um, getting it sequenced, I had the flower analyzed at analytical 360. Imagine my surprise. Number one, it came back with as many terps as everything else I grow, only, you know, the nose knows. This is not my terpene profile. The other weird thing is before before these results, I always said, there's type 1 plants, THC dominant, type 3 plants, CBD dominant, and type 2 plants are one-to-one generally, but they're mixed CBD, THC. Because hemp legally is less than 0% THC, it's a type 3 plant. And in fact, at that low level, it's an extreme type 3 plant. Imagine my surprise when sizzle the engine, when put into Phylos' galaxy, this three-dimensional representation of cultivars in a relationship, it is smack dab in the middle of a yellow cloud that says, yes, this is hemp. The lab results came back one-to-one. It's 2.1% THC, 2% CBD. Now, I'm going to grow it again this year, not so much to sequence it, but to have several labs test several flowers. The paper that I'm dying to write and publish is, yeah, we all think that hemp is a low-THC cultivar of cannabis sativa L. Ah! I have one that is genetically hemp, But uh, the chemovar is a type two being one-to-one. Maybe that was an odd flower, maybe, you know, cosmic rays, you know, planets aligned weird. But it could be a really interesting starting point um, for those that want to breed something um, unlike anything else available on the market.
1: What do you think its potentials are, like for uses?
0: So the seeds are huge. Uh, Nishan um, at Phylos and I stared at the seeds one day in his office and he said, either food or oil, um, I'm thinking they'll make great fiber. I was shocked at the chemical analysis that it has the potential to make medicine. It won't work for me. I, it just doesn't smell good. It doesn't taste good when I smoke it. Um, but we'll see. This, I, I'm planning much more this year, more than just a backyard little hobby thing and um, there's several. So the question is, of all the stuff I planted out of the Leblanc seed bank, how many other never-before-seen, no-close relatives are there? So I look at this as intellectual property and, and breeding stock. Um, yeah, 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 CBD, but we know that there are industrial hemp cultivars being grown today, like Lifter Two that have THCV and that's like behind you CBDV and the poster on the wall. Um, um, And, you know, most labs test for eight or nine cannabinoids, eight or nine terpenes. I want to find a lab that does a much larger reference because the minor cannabinoids like CBM, which is in Campanola, a uh, Italian hemp cultivar that we're growing um, are bioactive at small amounts. And again, they shift, the effect of that medicine in one direction or another. So while sizzle the engine may not work for me, there may be a crowd of people around the corner just waiting for what it has. So, you know, extinct is forever. And um, we don't want to get sidetracked by Girl Scout cookies and Blue Dream and and the white and all these modern cultivars and let the old landray stuff um, disappear uh, out of circulation because... Just like the Amazon, you got to study the plants from an ethnobotanical point of view before you clear cut and burn it, or you lose that natural resource forever. Um, so that's why I say, um, yes, I'm from Ohio. Um, and I, I, you know, sometimes use the name John Chapman, but Johnny Appleseed, he wasn't crazy. He was, he, he you know, didn't wear a pot on his head. And he wasn't nuts. He was a follower of Swedenboro. Um, he was a naturalist. But as the frontier moved west, he went out planting orchards with farmers, much like I do in this sharing economy. I'll be back in 10 years, and we're going to split the harvest. And you do that enough times, feel like a squirrel planting nuts. There will be oak trees when you're, when you're ready. So, um, so, yeah, I'm this collector, and that's part of what I do. And the pace sucks, but the potential is out there.
1: Totally. And what you're exploring and the things you're finding are kind of novel. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, the thing, you know, I've been working with the Morgan Conservatory in Cleveland, the papermaking studio, and and a friend of mine, um, Jonas, down in Santa Rosa, New Mexico, um, as my test kitchens, taking bass, that outside bark-like stuff from the stem of of hemp, to make paper. Um, There's a fiber workshop in Cleveland that I want to work with as I move into um, longer fibers that they can make cloth with. But um, what's really got my attention is um, using hemp to do um, not just biochar, but graphene, nanotubes, and batteries. So my goal for the summer or fall is to take the hemp I grow and to make a hemp battery enough to power something useful. I'm really to jumpstart cool. my car, but I'm, i sort of, sort of i I'm, I've been reading the chemistry. It's a little over my head, but give me a couple weeks, and mm, I'll get it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I was hoping you were going to say you were going to, like, make your own knickers or something.
0: (laughs) Oh, uh, hey, you were going to make lab coats out of hemp.
1: I, I have made a few things out of hemp. Actually, and the, the one thing that I'm excited about more than I've made pajama bottoms and box shorts and some like bandanas and whatnot. I have, oh, and masks, of course. Yep. Um, but I recently got these shoes from Australia, grown in China, uh, made in China, but like they're hemp shoes, right? Hemp and organic cotton, and so I've now have some shoes grown from romania and from china and i'm doing like i'm just curious to see which ones wear out faster because i've been told that the um like european hemp is stronger because it has longer um longer fibers than the chinese hemp so i'm curious to see if that comes true in clothing as well because i have um as you may or may not know i've been slowly um turning my entire wardrobe into be hemp, and it's been a process. What a
0: surprise!
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, it's shocking, but it's uh, coming along, and so I'm starting to do, like, I'm finding interesting things from China that are all hemp, like, yeah. and in random, from random things, so that's cool, okay. but the quality hemp stuff is from Eastern European. So Eastern long. Europe.
0: America's coming on strong. So one time I'll rape the red, white and blue is when it comes to hemp, you know? Well,
1: they need all the help they can get right now. So hopefully hemp might save America cause that would be cool.
0: Yeah, it's funny because the bulk of the fiber we're growing on both of these main farms I'm working with is Han Ma, this Chinese hemp cultivar. That's my understanding, it's what we're buying from China when they export it out. So it means that theoretically, we're growing the same thing they're growing in China. Obviously we're doing it organically and there's no shipping involved. And the market responds to both organically, sustainably grown hemp without heavy metals and and toxic chemicals. But in this day and age, it's not any big surprise that Americans would rather buy Canadian and, and American hemp than Chinese hemp. So yeah. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: it only makes sense, like from an actual like trying to like, yeah, let's not buy our clothes from another country if we don't have to.
0: Oh yeah, and and you know it's funny. Over the last year, I've, yeah, I'm a city kid. I'll tell you right now. I Grew up in Cleveland, lived in the burbs of Ann Arbor, Boston, now Seattle. Um, I'm reading farm reports in the morning. You know, soybeans, wheat, hog futures, whatever. American farmers are screwed between the trade and tariff wars initiated by his orangeness um, and the fact that farming has never been a road to riches for most farmers. And small farmers, especially uh, women, people of color, um, are just at a complete disadvantage against big ag. And it's true, hemp does offer an alternative. Not that people should convert their whole farm to hemp, but add it to their rotation. It goes nicely into a three year cycle um, to broaden the base, but you can also use some of those products on the farm yourself. So um, whether, if you're keeping animals, you've got bedding. If you're willing to feed some of those animals, there's material that's completely nutritious out of the hemp plant itself. Um, but yeah, it there are a few um, lifelines being thrown to farmers of any size in this country in at this point in history. And the supply chain is severely broken. We're seeing the farm states, Egg workers are getting sick, whether it's meat packing plants or fruit processing here in Washington state. You crowd a bunch of people together indoors with bad uh, air circulation, they're going to get sick. If these are uh, poor, Uh, Migrant farm workers who have pre-existing conditions, living in crowded conditions, the community gets sick, not just those individuals. So, you know, and also, you know, I knew trees when I, you know, when I was a kid, but nothing like the trees that are here in Cascadia. If we can cut the paper, the wood used by the paper industry and construction industry by 10% in short order, Hemp is a way to do that. I know Mike is working with hemp Is a fiber <clears throat> for construction purposes. Not hemp creek, but other uses. You've mm-hmm. got to get off this cutting trees as if we're cutting an annual crop. Trees are perennial. They are not an annual. So treating them a casually, clear-cutting, uh, disrupting whole ecosystems um, in exchange for a quick buck is completely the wrong mindset in here in 2020 so yeah hemp hemp will do it you know and it may take the farm communities bottoming out before they they rethink the business they're in and the markets they're serving
1: well and it's also going to take some processing like abilities oh because yeah. you grow all the hemp you want but if there's nowhere to process it then you're also screwed so
0: yeah, so Shane and I are building uh, decorticating tools and, and other things because there is nothing your John Deere salesperson can sell you. Your county extension agent or the Canadian equivalent at the provincial level doesn't have any background. And you nor your kids were prepped by 4-H to have hemp either as a primary crop um, or part of the rotation. So there's this we're, – we're bootstrapping this industry from scratch. It will work. There's going to be some rough spots for all of us, but um, we don't have any choice. The way I look at it, you know, we don't have any choice. And the nice thing from this progressive slash revolutionary's point of view, we get to take on big ag because if hemp is the future, they don't have a head start on us. They may have a lot of PhDs and a big bank account, but we've had feet on the ground Hands in the soil in an intimate relationship with the plant, way longer than Dreyfus or Bayer or Syngenta. any of these, you know, any of these ag companies. So it's our chance to have a disproportionate influence on this new market because we got there first. It's ours to lose, and they're not going to take it away without a fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Um, this is our like podcast 2.0, uh, episode one. It's sort of like the pilot. Um, we hope to continue to do this. It'll be a little different than what we did before because we're not sitting next to each other, but, um, we'll bring guests in. We'll pick each other's brains. We'll, uh, we'll laugh a lot. I hope. But, um, I for one can't wait to pick up where we left off and sprint into the future.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm ready. <laughs> no, this has been great, so thank you for
0: including <laughs> me. We've got a new name. Uh, we had an intro before, but we get to like reinvent ourselves.
1: Yes, I am now known as Pamela West. Um, this little <laughs> twice-baked action is simply because I don't know how to change my name on my email or something like that. And it's an homage to Twice Baked, which was my first ever advocate blog, so...
0: Well, the next time we'll have to talk about a new role as a patient advocate up there.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about what I'm doing up here besides uh, what you already know, which is not very much. I don't know
0: very much at all. Never did, never will. Cool. All right. Well, folks, look forward to us like causing trouble across the border. Uh, and one day, you may even see us in the same room with just one camera. But for now, uh, Pamela West, Butterfly Sessions. Twice Baked, uh, Jerry Whiting, LeBlanc C&E, and Other, uh, we bid you farewell until next time.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll
0: see you soon. Bye. So uh, I'm going to go through and edit the, uh, whoop, was that it? Yep.